Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I am here today with a very inspiring maverick business. <laughs> um, he is the founder and CEO of Bournemouth Sevens Festival. He's a fellow podcaster with his Eventful Entrepreneur podcast, and he is the co-host of the Harry Redknapp podcast as well. So welcome to the podcast, Dodge, Roger Woodall. <laughs> Lovely to be here, Jeanette. How are you doing? Oh, good. Thank you. It's great to see you. Yeah, and you. And you. I'm looking forward to this one. Excellent. Well, yeah, you, we get to talk all about you. So what's not to like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, we'll find out. We're going to we'll find, find out. out. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Brilliant. So you know what? A good place to start, Dodge, if I'm OK to call you Dodge. Yeah, everyone knows me as Dodge. Yep. Brilliant. Why don't you just kick off with, with your journey, your story, what you're all about, and we're going to dig in from there, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. It's made me think. My story. It started from a young kid, really. I've, I've never never had a job. I've never been employed. Um, and I guess that started from uh, earning money as a young kid, as a 10-year-old, living above pubs in London, um, seeing lots of things that maybe kids shouldn't see at that age, but it, it, it makes you uh, streetwise very quickly. Uh, you're around adults a lot. And um, I saw lots of wheeling and dealings going on. And, and, and entrepreneur back then, there wasn't really a word in the 80s. Entrepreneur, people were just earning money. And yeah. I was I was seeing it, you know, I was in a really busy pub that dad had um, on the River Thames. And it was a pub that was the place to be. It wasn't your old type booze. It was like a nightclub pub. And we had a big nightclub next door. Um, and yeah, it all started from there, really. I started earning money at a young age and it's kind of grown from there. Brilliant. Uh, and we're going to we're going to get into this. But well, before we started press press record on this, we actually realised that I've been in your dad's pub because... <laughs> Right where I've lived for God knows like the last 10 years or so, not in the pub, in Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> so small world. But, you know, that early life for you then, Dodge, and, and uh, you know, that sort of growing up in the pub and, and everything, you, you touched on, there wasn't a word for entrepreneur, but talk about your childhood and, and kind of how life was for you on a normal basis, because it sounds pretty wild as a kid. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it was. And you know what? I've only had time to look back and reflect because of covid I've actually stopped and looked back and gone, God, what was my world like? And it was um, it was a really exciting world, living above a pub, really exciting. Now, I was around lots of characters, naughty characters, fun characters, people earning a pound note and, and seeing people dealing and wheeling, dealing to earn money. And kind of that's kind of what I grew up with. And, you know, you become an entrepreneur at a very young age. And um, I was given the freedom, you know, I was... I was yeah, we had doorman. My dad was the first one to bring doorman on the door back in the day in the 80s and 90s. They were called bouncers back then. And, you know, you're seeing lots of stuff that kids shouldn't see, but lots of stuff that makes you grow up very quickly. And um, I started earning money at a very young age. We had a nightclub next door. And every Saturday night, I would speak to the manager and buy 20 tickets off him for a pound each. I would then go and sell them in dad's pub on Saturday night uh, between 10, 8, 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. before everyone shipped out of the pub into the nightclub. 
um, I'd sell them for two quid. So I'd earn 20 pound in an hour. And as a 10 year old, that was, a, I felt like, a, you know, I felt like a million dollars back then. And, um, but again, I was creating win-win situations. I was buying the tickets. I was earning, the, the manager was earning his bit of money and, and the customers well, I'll say the tickets to were going up in the club, but with their tickets, instead of having to queue with a thousand people, these tickets would get them queue jump. So everyone was winning. And that was, that was a, a nice little learner for me every, every Saturday night at 11, 10, 10, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock uh, every weekend. You must have been the richest kid in the school, right? Everyone else had their pound pocket money and you're there with your, your swag bag of cash. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I didn't know any different. And, you know, at the back of the pub, we had a big WH Smith and they used to put these massive toys in there. If I had a little chip, they'd throw them into these big skips. I'd go skip diving with my best mate, Chris, and he'd hold on to my ankles. I'd be in the skips pulling out all these amazing big toys. And I set up a stand every weekend at the back of the pub because there was so much walk by trade and selling all these wonderful toys. So, you know, it was just, it was just, I was identifying how I could earn money. And it was, it was something that I really loved. I really loved it. And, you know, even on bank holiday weekends, there was thousands of people walking down by the river. So I'd go to the cash and carry and I'd buy hundreds and hundreds of hot dogs and also hundreds and hundreds of ice creams. And I was, I was edging my bets on the weather. You know, if it was a sunny day, I know I'd sell all the ice creams. If it was a rainy, cloudy uh, weekend, I know I'd sell all these hot dogs. And again, I would come out with £600 on a weekend as a 10-year-old. And it's just the way it was. I didn't know any different because I knew I had thousands of people. So why not make the most of it and create win-wins for everyone? So it started at a very young age, Jeanette, and it's kind of grown from there. And, and was that something that your parents kind of encouraged or did you just did they just sort of leave you to do your own thing? And, you know, what would be would be. Yeah, well, you know, they were they're proper entrepreneurs. They, you know, my dad's from East London and my mum's from Manchester and they they were both in the casino games in the 80s, working in Mayfair in London. And it was all about then they went into the pub game and everyone was just earning a pound note everywhere. And it was just installed into me to go and earn, go and earn your money. I never had pocket money because I was earning my own money the whole time. And uh I just loved it. You know, 30 years on, I'm still doing it, you know, edging your bets on the weather and, you know, with the festival, selling tickets and VIPs. And it's exactly the same, but the numbers have just got a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. I love it. Wheeler dealer at such a young age. How how was like family life then? Because, I mean, you know, it is hard graft, isn't it, having a pub? It's not, yeah. I mean, it's 24-7 really. So, so yeah. what, was, what was family life like? Family life was madness. You know, I had my best mate, uh, uh, my dad, he was mad into sport. You know, sport was my world. My mum was entrepreneur, you know, lovely, lovely mum and dad. But, you know, it's difficult. When you grow up in a pub, you, you, the toxicity downstairs in a pub where there is a lot of alcoholism, there's, there's you know, I saw, all, I saw all sorts. You know, it's probably not for this show and whatever. You, you see all sorts in the pub downstairs. And that energy can sometimes be brought upstairs into the flat above the pub. But, you know, we, we grew up with having such a laugh. Everything was about having a laugh. You know, mum and dad used to throw these most amazing parties, fancy dress, when fancy dress wasn't really a thing. Um, they'd have DJs in there. And there was like 800 people in the pub. It was very, I was around fun and entertainment. And I guess now that's carried on into my world now. And, you know, dad should have owned a farm, really, rather than being a publican. And and back then he was a big, big bodybuilder and he loved his animals. And we had two Alsatians as guard dogs. And then upstairs in our flat, we had a cockatoo called Bubbles. So we're all West Ham fans. And, and that, that would squawk. And then we had a pet monkey. And we, then we had all these budgie regards. And you think about it, this is in a two bed flat, <laughs> you know, so 
it's only now that I've looked back and gone, my God, what a mad upbringing. But you know what? I wouldn't change it for the world because it taught me so much, taught me so much. But you know what I did enjoy? All the kids used to love coming to stay at the pub for the night and sleepovers. And I used to love going to their houses and it'd be calm, no music, yeah. no nightclubs, noise, no no craziness going on, no seeing fights and da-da-da. And you'd see their mum and dad cooking dinner together and nice comfy sofas and it was just calm. Yeah. But then I'd go back to the pub and it was like full on party, people, wah, rah, rah, music. And, you know, so it was a very different upbringing. Uh, and my life revolved around playing lots of sport and I was fairly good at sport as a kid. So that's what my focus was on. And um, I found it very hard to learn at school, uh, concentration span, because mm. um, I was always thinking, one, how I can create a little business, even at a very young <laughs> age. And two, I can't wait to get on, get out there playing my sport because uh, that's what I love. That was my passion. Yeah, brilliant. And I remember uh, I was listening to one of your um, podcast episodes, actually, on the Eventful Entrepreneur, which is a great listen, everyone. So you've definitely got to check that out. Thank you. A bit about your story and, and kind of life for you in those early days. And you went to a boarding school, didn't you? You went to private or private school, right? Yeah, I went to... Yeah, I went to private school and that was, uh, you know, a London kid living in a pub, then going to a private school. It was like living a double life. Yeah. You know, I'd go to school, mum and dad would give me the £600 cash. I'd go to school with my little hat uh, and give the headmaster the 600 quid at the start of term cash. He probably thought, lovely, this is definitely not going through the books. So I was his <laughs> favourite kid there. And um, again, it was very different because me and dad would walk to school. We'd have two Alsatians. I'd have my West Ham rucksack on my back, wearing this little cute little outfit but it was very different for us we'd never seen that dad and mum would never went to private school they, they gave me the huge step up of, and I felt privileged going there um, because of the sporting facilities and and I've met mates for life and but it was interesting when you go there every day you walk to school 40 minutes in the rain dad is bodybuilder with his gold gym bodybuilding stuff and me the rucks and all the kids all the rich kids would turn up and the posh cars and briefcases and but what was funny we'd finish school dad was like the pied piper it he would drop all the kids like 20 kids wanted to be with us and walk back he would drop them all off at their houses and stuff so yeah it was great it was great and I you know I thank my parents so much for giving me that little that little nudge and that little put me into private school I've got to say yeah 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 so it sounds like your dad was like a larger than life character yeah just like a magnet attracts. Oh, mate, he's a good-looking bloke. He's a, he's very humble. He's a kind human being. Everyone loves him. And my mum, you know, she yeah. was a fun, party, happy entrepreneur. And, you know, it was great. It really was great. It was. It, I had a lot of fun growing up. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I had freedom as well. I was going to bed. I know this sounds silly now to talk about it, but I was going to bed at 11 o'clock every night. And, you know, most kids go to bed at 7. I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I just didn't know any different. It was just I was in the pub downstairs chatting mm. to adults and behind the bar and, you know, looking at seeing what's going on. And I learned my trade as a 10 year old. I learned how to create win-win situations. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And you know, when you were in, in the school environment and you obviously you excelled at sport, which I think is, is, is fantastic because, uh, but you weren't necessarily massively academic dodge, I think from what no. you said. Um, did you ever sort of crave normality or did you ever compare yourself to the other kids and think oh god I, I, my life's a bit crazy at home I, I just wish I was more like them or did that not even enter no 
Never. No, no, never, <laughs> never. I loved, because I didn't know any different, I loved it because when I was going back home from the private school, I was living this double life, private school where you'd have to wear all your nice things, and you have all these wonderful lessons and teachers and facilities, and then going back to going, here we go, what's happening tonight in the pub? You know, and, and you know, as a young kid, that's how I felt because I was like, right, what's going to happen tonight? You, every day was different. Yeah. You've got hundreds of people coming through the doors and every day was different. And then, you know, hanging on the, you know, I used to hang on the door with the doorman and see all sorts of things. And they would then take me to nightclubs at three or four o'clock in the morning because mum and dad knew I was super safe with 10 big doormen. And it was a, it was a wild, wild upbringing. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. And obviously incredibly close to your parents, you know, yeah. you see that, that, that. Yeah. So you've got both of them in you, clearly. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a good yeah. combo. Yeah. Um, so moving on then from that early like roller coaster start that you had in life, you did go to uni though, didn't you? You went to Loughborough, is that right, Dodge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to uh, Loughborough Sports University and and did uh, PE sports science. Again, I just I got there. I was always taught from my mum, pound a man. She taught me pound a man. So as a young kid at the first school, there's 300 kids buying and selling all sorts of things in school. Then yeah. my next score was 400 kids. I was like, oh, my God, I was buying Timberland jumpers for a tenner, selling them for 30 quid, but I'd buy 100 of them because every Friday the kids would get their pocket money and I would earn a grand every Friday because everyone wanted the Timberland jumpers as 15, 16, 17-year-olds. And it was just amazing. And then when I went to Loughborough University, there was 12,000 people on campus. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is amazing. So, so yeah, I, 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 my, the, the business went to a whole new level again. So you know, so what the the common thread here is that you've just always got a deal going on, always got like thinking business, 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 yep. making yep. money, and uh, and sort of running the two in parallel, really. Um, yeah. The whole course, which is which is fantastic. So so after uni, then Dodge, when you sort of I suppose branched out from there, before you got into festivals, you got into the nightclub game, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. So it was yeah. interest. It was interesting. In my final year at Loughborough Uni. Um, I uh, I was one of the main faces on campus at the time, obviously being a rugby lad and what have you. And I uh, I went. There was a local a local nightclub in Loughborough called Echoes, and they they would they charged two pound every Wednesday to get in the nightclub. And you know my mind thinking, hold on a minute, pound a man. So I approached the local nightclub and said, how about we charge three quid? I keep a pound, you keep two pound. I'll drive the trade all the students there earlier to drink on your bars, and I'll get more students there. Um, there was a thousand students every week, so. They agreed to it. So I walked into a thousand pounds straight away, guaranteed for every single week for the whole year. And I got the numbers up to 2000 students in the nightclub. So I was walking away with 2000 pound cash in 1999, every single week from, wow. from that club. And, and on the same, I also had a club in Luff, uh, in London, in Wandsworth every week as well in my final year. So I had two nightclubs and I was driving home, going back to, you know, I had 3000 pounds cash every single week in 1999. And that's where the idea come about, come about, you know. So I'd promote the nightclubs and, um, yeah, the nightclub was happy. I put great entertainment on. All the students were happy. And I was happy because it was creating a win-win for everyone. You know what? That That's so true. I mean, what, as you've been talking, actually, that's one of the things that um, really stands out. It's, it's always got to be a win-win, hasn't it, you know, in business? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's I, the mean, big. I, I always think, you know, when I, uh, whether I've, it's the businesses that I've run or if I'm advising or mentoring people, I always say, always think about it. What's in it for the customer? What's the benefit for the customer? What's the benefit for 
the supplier or your partners and what's the benefit for the business, you know, because if you have that mindset, you're all, everyone wins. Um, and that's clear. I mean, that's clear in everything you've said and done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Think of the customer first. How do they win? How do you then structure the deal that everyone wins? And once yeah. you've got that, you're away. Yeah. And I almost hate that word compromise. You know, people talk about a compromise or let's compromise. Well, actually, it normally means that everyone, both sides give a bit. They both yep. do something. Whereas actually you go, how can we do this differently? Yep. <laughs> it's a win all round. Then yep. I need to compromise. It's just a different solution. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that pound a man. That's great advice. Pound a man. That sticks. That does. Maybe that yep. Will that be on your gravestone, Don? It will be, 100%. We've had these conversations, pound a man. It's interesting because that was, you know, from a 10-year-old, it was a pound a man. And then at the university thing here, when I started doing the nightclubs, that was the next 10 years on. And I'm still doing the same thing, but it's gone from a pound a man, it's gone to 100 pound, 200 pound, 300 pound a man with the, with the festival. So <laughs> same business Brilliant. model. <laughs> yeah, same, same concept. I love that. You see, you're a very, yep. very, um, very inspiring mum with that one. <laughs> so let's talk about your personality. We're going to get back to the festival side of it. But, you know, you're, you're a larger than life character. And I'm sure you've picked up elements of that from your dad and your mum and kind of the people you spent time around. How important has that been for you in business, kind of just being yourself and, you know, being authentic and all of that kind of good stuff? Has that helped you? Or, and have there been times when it's not helped you? I don't know any different, Jeanette. I really don't know any different. I've never had a job. I've never worked for anyone. I've never been in a corporate environment. I know, I just don't know any different. I just know that if you're straight and you're authentic and you have a laugh and you create win-wins and people like you, people want to do business with you. And if you've got something that they want and you end up doing business and everyone's happy, I just, that's all I've done. You know, yeah. I've never been taught anything. I've never had a mentor or a coach or whatever. I've never read the books and the, listened to the videos and how to do business. I've just done business and, 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 and I love it. I love business and sport and that's how I've created my, created my world. Yeah, yeah. Well, you probably have, you have had mentors because you had your parents, right? So yeah, I guess so. All shapes and sizes, don't they? I yeah, think. I guess so. But they were very freeing with me. They were never do this or do this. They were like, go on, you give it a go. If you earn money, good luck to you. Learn, you go and learn it, you know? Yeah. So they just yeah. gave me the belief. They believed in me. Everything that I did, they believed in me. And I look back now and when you can't have a better gift as a parent, if you believe in your kids and as a kid, you can't have a better gift if you know that people around you are believing in you. And what I'm learning now, you know, I've been on Clubhouse is there's, there's a lot of blocks. People have a lot of blocks that maybe as a 10 year old, your teacher told you you weren't good enough or your parents didn't big you up enough. or did. I never had that. Mm. I never had that. I also had the freedom and belief to go and do what you want to do. Go on, go and find out yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, a hundred percent. And that's, you know, this, my podcast, Brave, Bold, Brilliant is all about unlocking that potential, but it has to start with self-belief, doesn't it? hundred percent. hundred percent. Otherwise it's like, you know, pushing water, you know, uphill really. Yeah, absolutely. So, so no, that's great. You've had that sort of confidence and, and just being able to be yourself because a lot of people, like, what I see a lot as well, dodging it maybe more in the corporate world or even in the business world is that people feel they have to fit in or perform or look a certain way or talk a certain way, you know. And, and actually, the reality is, if you just be yourself, there's no one better at being you than you, is there? Well, you can't, there's nowhere to hide. If you're, if you're yourself, you're yourself. Cards are on the table. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. And I think people buy into, you know, just, I don't know, fun 
and open and warts and all. You know, I, I'm a I call the spade a spade. You know, yep. I, I I always think that's the best way to go and just be fair and kind to people. Absolutely. Admit when you mess things up because we all mess things up. Sometimes. Absolutely. It takes a strong yeah. person to put their hands up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Can you uh, let's talk about the fe- about getting it from the from the nightclubs yep. festivals then because okay. that's a that was a natural transition but it's an interesting one that you made given yep. things were changing in the world I think yeah well in 1999 I did that for a whole year the two nightclubs as as we spoke about and then when I finished my degree I knew I was never going to get go and get a job I, I genuinely think I'm unemployable I just thought right there's no way I'm going to be told what to do or get a job. So I identified a huge gap in the market that there was no student nightclub promoters in the country. So I, so I thought, hold on a minute, you know, it was the dot-com boom. So I created a website and created a brand. People didn't even know what brands were or websites were back then, you know? <laughs> so we created a brand called popyourcherry.com. So it was the two cherries from uh, Pasha. I don't know if you know. Pasha, the, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the Pasha logo. I grabbed that, tweaked it. So I, so I, so I didn't get into any trouble. And I used that, a wonderful brand that we created and scaled it up to 12 nightclubs every week. Wow. So I had 12 parties every week in nightclubs between 1,000 and 3,000 people in Manchester, Birmingham, Leicester, Oxford, London, Brighton, Exeter. The list went on and on and on. So we scaled that business up and we, we did that for 10 years. Uh, and at peak, we had 12 nightclubs every week and um, it was amazing fun. In your 20s for 10 years, from 20 to 30, going around, throwing parties, three parties on a Monday, three parties on a Tuesday, three on a Wednesday, three on a Thursday, and then come back home. And it was literally old school marketing and old school flyering and use the power of flyers and posters and setting up teams in each city of 10 people. Um, And it was just me, my best mate and a mobile phone. Um, But we would print million flyers. We'd print thousands, hundreds of thousands of posters and we'd make sure the only way people would know in those cities was by flyering and postering and you go back to old school and that was proper graft it was full it was marketing as we know it not marketing today you know we can press a couple of buttons and um so we built up for 10 years and we threw some great parties put a wonderful party on a ministry of sound in london there's a there's a great story there as well with that one in year 2000 but what we did in in year 2000 as well is that there was no such thing as Facebook or, or, or anything to do with photos. But I had this mate of mine who was really clever, really geeky on the old computers, etc. And he created this thing where you could add this. Today, it's called an app. Back then, it was just, I don't know what it was called, but he created this thing. And I was like, oh, my God, can you make sure that if I took all these photos on the night of the nightclub, 100 photos, you could upload those 100 photos onto the website? He says, yeah, I can do that. I said, mate, I'll pay you to do that. So every nightclub, we did 100 photos. So the next morning, the students would wake up and log on to the .com, poppycherry.com, just to see their photos. You know, that, was, that was all fresh and brand new. And we, 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 we cracked it because pe- we were driving people back to the website. And I guess today that's Facebook and everything else that we'll take for granted. But it's only now I've had time to reflect to, to see how did we actually do it? And um, that then promoted the next week's party, the next week's party. And, yeah, we put some great entertainment on. And um, I guess today they call them influencers. Back then I was getting... Uh, TV celebs and uh, to come to the nightclubs and friends of mine who were England rugby players and da 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 and lots of fancy dress themes and and DJs and and that's what we did every week and and we scaled the business up you know I ended up throwing one thousand five hundred parties in forty wow. nightclubs over ten years so it was a lot wow. of fun 
a lot of fun. Wow, wow. Yeah. And did it did it feel surreal at the time, or did it? Were you were you were you just on the crest of a wave and then loving it, and it just you just kind of just kept kept going? I, I saw a huge gap in the market, and I created a win win. Yeah, yeah. Students. You know, and the beauty of the business model is I'd go to nightclubs that were closed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in a city. There might be two nightclubs in a town or a city and they're both closed. Well, I can go to both nightclubs. So who's got the bigger capacity? I'm going to put 2000 students in your nightclub every Tuesday. Do you want do you want it? You take the bar money. I'll take the door money. You're winning. I'm winning. The students are winning because they've got an amazing night all branded up. They walk into the nightclubs all branded up, pop your cherry and drapes and you know, it was really done well that no one had ever done before. And um, we created a win-win. And, yeah. and the students loved it. The nightclub loved it because it was it was sitting there closed. And we loved it because we took the door money. Yeah, brilliant. And I love that. I, I, lo- I mean, sometimes I think we overcomplicate business. <laughs> and, and actually, like you say, just really simple. <laughs> Keep it simple. Keep business. I work hard at keeping life and business simple. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. And and on the surface, it, it, to everyone else, they think, God, how'd you get that? You know, why it just looks so easy? Well, no, actually, it's a bit of effort to, to create the ease. Yeah. It's a lot of graft. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, looking back, I wouldn't do what I did now. At my age now, I wouldn't be travelling 150 miles to a nightclub and then staying in hotels Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then driving back Thursday and you've got people looking after your money in that nightclub when it's cashed up and you've got doormen there and you're paying teams of people here. And d- d- it was a proper operation, but, you know, I didn't have an office and I didn't have a computer and it was just off the mobile phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were there any any low points during that time? Because it all sounds wonderful. Um, but were, were there tough days as well and, and dark nights where you thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? I can't do this anymore or I'm bored of it or it's just too... Yeah, yeah, as I got older. And I, I started seeing in about 2007, I started the, the, the smoking ban come in. So yes. people couldn't smoke in nightclubs anymore. I don't know if anyone's listened to this, but everyone used to be able to smoke in a nightclub. You'd get to the nightclub at 10.30 and you'd smoke in the nightclub and there was no health and safety and whatever. It was just, you know, free fall. Smoking ban come in, so people had to stand outside the nightclub in the rain or the cold or whatever mm. and have a cigarette. That had a knock-on effect. Um, the 24-hour licence came in, so... The business model back then is uh, in 2000 to 2008 was everyone would be drinking in the bars, pre-drinking at 7 p.m. till 10.30. Everyone would ship out of 20 bars in a city or a town and everyone would, you would grab everyone on the streets to get them into your nightclub. You know, what I started to see was that these bars were putting little dance floors in their bars and holding people till one o'clock. So if you and I, and we had a couple of girls, eight girls and eight lads were like, you know, I'm quite comfy in this bar. Should we just stay here till one o'clock and then go home? That was starting to come in. So I started identifying this and I, I wanted to be the pioneer. I was the pioneer of this for 10 years. I wanted to be the pioneer of creating something new. So I, I, I thought of the idea of creating a, a sport and music festival. Um, and that's called Born the Sevens Festival. And that's today got 30,000 people partying in a field with 12 festival arenas and Sky TV and lots of celebs and glamping and camping and uh, rugby, netball, hockey, dodgeball, volleyball played by 400 teams flying in from different countries and and around the UK as their end of season tour. And I basically created this, I guess, 12 nightclubs and put it in a big field now for like-minded people having fun playing sport and partying with in a a field for three days and glamping and camping and whatever you 
And that's quite unique, isn't it? Because obviously festivals have gone crazy, haven't they? I mean, obviously recently clearly restricted, as we know. Uh, but putting that to one side before all of this, um, you know, the festival scene is, wasn't that prevalent back then. But but actually now it's huge, isn't it? But yeah. with what you're doing with this combination of sports, music, entertainment, that's still quite unique, isn't it? Um, yeah. I know many people, many other festivals that are like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I saw a gap in the market again. And I wanted to create a win-win because there was your Reading Festival, your Leeds, your Glastonbury's. I'm talking 2008 here. In 2008, yeah. there was probably 15 festivals in the UK. Now there's a thousand. Just to put it in perspective, there are a ridiculous amount of things going on. And um, I just saw a business model that could be broken. I saw a business model that you know, music festivals would pay two million pound on a lineup pre-event, hoping that people would love that lineup and then buy the tickets. Mm. I thought, hold on a minute, create a sport, a music festival with like-minded people, people who have been to uni or school. They've all dispersed in different parts of the country. They're all getting together and coming down as an as an old uni team. Or you all went to school together. You haven't seen each other in 10 years. You've all made a netball team up of 20 girls and you're all coming down for a three day or, or you play for a rugby or a netball or a hockey team or a dodgeball team or a volleyball team. And you're all having your end of season tour on the last bank holiday of May in the sunshine down in Bournemouth. Mm. Um, and I thought if I could mix my uh, party and I know how to throw great parties, if I can do that and mix it with the context I've got in the world of sport, why not create a sport and music festival? And that's where the idea come about. So, yeah, so we just, we, we, we created something that had never been done before. Um, and that was really, really exciting because, again, I wanted to be the pioneer of something that people wanted. Um, and it was bringing people back together. And I love yeah. bringing people back together. I love bringing people together. And I love throwing a good party. So, again, that mixed with sport and business was my world. And it's been my world since a young kid. It's just carried on to... Yeah, at the age I'm at now. Yeah, because I mean, you're right. If you can merge your passion with your profession, that's a oh, cool place to be, right? That's a dream. Yeah, yeah. How many people, you know, do you hear and they, they're sort of wishing their lives away? They're going, doing a job, spending time with something they hate and they're waiting for the evening, waiting for the weekend, waiting to retire. And you're just like, oh my God, just do something you love, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse than not being able to wake up in the morning and do something I'm passionate about. Yeah. You know, I've got friends who are going to work at seven, eight in the morning, come back seven, eight at night just to get to the weekend, just for yeah. a pay packet. Just listen, don't get me wrong. We all need money to make the world go around and pay for your family and your houses, your house and your lifestyle or what have you. But um, passion, 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 passion. My God, if you're passionate about something, please go and do it. Anyone listening, please go and do it. Stop procrastinating. Stop thinking about it. Just get up and do it. Start. You know, businesses take time. You know, people want in overnight success. It doesn't happen. It really doesn't mm. happen. But you need to be working on your passion every day, even if it's a side hustle or if it's something you're doing on the side, you know, in the in the weekend or at nighttime. Just get up and start doing it. And before you know it, you'll start building a brand. You'll start building people talking about it. You'll start getting your first customer. You know, it, it does take time. And there'll be a point where you can say, now's the time to transition into my passion. I can leave my work mm. and start doing it. And you know what? Businesses take time. Businesses take two, three, four years, you know. So um, 
Do it, people. Yeah. If you're listening, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, you heard it here. Dodge told you. No, it's great. It is great advice, though. You're right. And and actually, I think sometimes we, we set ourselves a goal and it can be so daunting. It's like, where the hell do you start? But to your point, just start. And if you're just taking one action a day, it's going to move you closer, right? And even, Absolutely. Even at 1%, it makes all the difference because they all add up, right? Um, 100%. If, you, if you're getting 1% every day, that's 365% over the year. You know, if you think of it like that and break it down like that, the first thing I would do if you've got an idea, I would just pay a designer to create a little brand logo for you. You're then committed. You've got something to show and tell people. You can show people. You can see what their feedback's like. You can get um, people interested. You can get people excited. But if you're just talking about something fluffy that's in your mind that's been in there for a long time, get it out of your mind and get a designer, 50 quid. Get a designer to knock something up. Get your brand logo and your feel. Check out whether you can buy a .com. Check out the domain names. You know, uh, th- this is the start of business, yeah. the start of creating a brand. Think about the colors you want. You know, that's the first thing I do when I go into setting up new businesses. And it's not rocket science, but you know what? It doesn't half excite you. Yeah. And, and actually, like you say, it's visual. It starts to feel tangible. And all of a sudden you go, oh, bloody hell, this is actually real. <laughs> absolutely. And absolutely. And don't ask advice from friends or family. No, because they can sometimes, often it's from a position of love and can. Cons- yep but they can sometimes really um, pee on your chips. <laughs> mm. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't get advice of friends and family to anyone listening because everyone won't want to upset you uh, and won't want to tell you the truth. And that's really dangerous in my mind. That's mm-hmm. really dangerous because you can go down garden path thinking that you're onto something because your best mate and your mum and your dad have told you this is amazing, go for it. Get some proper advice. Find who you would want out there, who you respect, who's been there, got the T-shirt. Get in contact with them. Don't take no for an answer. Ring them up if they don't answer. Email if they don't answer. Get in contact with them. Hound them in a very polite and and nice way. And then just ask for 10 minutes of their time. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, the other thing is it's not just around what people will will advise you to do. It's often what they'll say, oh, or what not to do. Oh, God, Mm -hmm. Should be investing in property right now. Oh my God! Do you think you should be starting a business right? Oh no, no, no! And, and it can really niggle away. Um, yeah. The self belief uh, point. Absolutely. I haven't watched the news. I haven't watched the news in eleven months. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's- I haven't watched the news, Jeanette. I've made a point. On I haven't watched the news. There's no point in watching the news. There's no point because all the the countries does is it just it instills fear into everyone. The amount of people I know have got fear. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's it's. I just can't go anywhere near the negativity because there's nothing good on there. So why even put that into your, into your mind? Free your mind up being creative rather than being bogged down with with, with bad news. Yeah, no, and you make a really good point there, actually, because fear, it can totally paralyse people. It, yeah. Fear of judgment, fear of loss, fear of, I don't know, reputation. And nine times out of ten, those fears never come to reality. They never come to reality. <laughs> it's just your own silly mind with your little man on your shoulder saying, oh, you got fear, you got fear. Take fear out of the equation. You know, everything that's everything that's in front of us, people have got the fear of everything that's behind us. People have got guilt or carrying guilt or 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 self-belief or some sort of block. You need to work on your self-development, clear up the past, whatever needs to clearing up. Don't worry about the future, because as my mum always says, you don't know what's going to happen. Eleven minutes, 11 days, 11 hours, 11 months. Mm. So just live in the now. Just if you can be as present and living in the now, it's so powerful. Yeah, no, 100%. And I always say, well, how bad can it be? No one's going to die here. Well, hopefully not. But do you know, do you know yeah. so what if I mess it up? At least I'm giving it a bloody go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And the biggest fear people have in business is being judged by their friends and family. 
Yeah. Who gives a shit? I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got too many mates and girlfriends and friends that are worried about that. There's no need to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. There's no need. Yeah. And you know what? You pretty quickly figure out who's with you and who's not. Yes. Really. Um, I found that a couple of times through my career. You think, oh, actually, people that you thought were there and supporting you, when yep. you to shove that they're maybe not. And yep. it totally surprise you that, you know, yep. are really great. So you, yep. you realize that, I think, as well, don't you? Definitely. 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Let me come back to a, a word that you've used a couple of times, Dodge, if I may, and that's pioneer. So I want to be a pioneer, start something new, you know, be the best, create something. So you're really a creator, innovator, pioneer, you know, sort of pushing the boundaries all the time. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that's such a driver for you? Because I'm a sportsman. I want okay. to be the best. I couldn't. I couldn't take my career to the full extent I wanted to take it. The rugby side of things and the other sports. I did as much as I could. Knew I would never be playing for England. So, always wanted to be pioneering all the businesses that I've done. And even when I set up the sportswear brand, I saw a huge gap in the market to take that. That's become an international sportswear brand, which we sold in 2018. And again, I was the pioneer there because I saw the business model was broken in the sportswear mm. industry. So I've worked out a business model that we could uh, break the industry mold. And that's what we did. Um, and that was really exciting. I was the pioneer of Viper 10 Sportswear. And I saw in that industry, everyone was making, so for example, there might be a hundred thousand pounds deal at Exeter University. There was a number of uh, brands going in there and saying, we can do you know, a thousand hoodies, a thousand uh, tracksuits, uh, rugby playing kit, netball playing kit, you know, and, the whole of the university be were branded in your brand colors, etc. All our competitors before I went, I had two years of research and development in 2010, 11, and 12, checking out all the factories. And I knew that our competitors were, were, were making all their uh, gear in China. And that took yeah. 12 weeks. Once you ordered, it took 12 weeks to land on your door. So I was like, right, here's the opportunity. Why don't we create a sportswear brand that's digital? online, no salespeople on the road. So that saves you 30, 40 grand and their mobile yeah. phones and all the hassle that goes with it to compete against all the other sportswear brands. Why don't we create a 3D kit designer? Like Nike ID, I don't know if you know Nike ID, you could design your own trainers online. Yeah, yeah. So we built a 3D kit designer. We could design all your kits online, add in the colors, uh, add, in the, uh, add in the designs, da, 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 da. And that really took off because people could sit at home as a squad or did, or you could sit home bored you could be playing around they would send us their details and then we would get them on the phone and then we'll end up doing the deal but our 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 way of differentiating ourselves was we had a factory in lithuania so i knew if i had this factory in lithuania it took me a long time to get them over the line to believe in us but they turned everything around in four weeks wow. so all our competitors were taken 12 weeks in china on the on uh, uh, making all the all the garments or making the sportswear the hoodies da, 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 putting it on a ship on a ship going uh, massive containers landing then you had all the customs to deal with we were going straight from lithuania on a truck four days after being made four days on a truck landed on our door down here in bournemouth boom 
Boom. So that was the industry. That's where we broke it. And that's how we got bought because they saw this business model that really, really worked. And we brought ambassadors on board. Lewis Moody was an ambassador, the ex-England rugby captain. At the time, he was had a contract with Nike. He left his Nike contract. He's a good mate wow. of mine, left his Nike contract and come across to Viper 10. Um, we, we shook up the whole industry big time, and especially in the netball world. We had Pamela Cookie, who was the England netball captain, come on board as ambassador. So we had the most amazing designs. And for us, we created a win-win situation that the people at all the rugby clubs, netball clubs and the universities and schools around the country were getting all their stuff landed in four weeks with an amazing design uh, tested by top international athletes. And they were our ambassadors as well. So that was really yeah. exciting. Eight years, really exciting. And we got a phone call. And so research and development was 2010, 11. We launched in 2012. It took off very quickly. And in 2018, I got a phone call, a random number on a Sunday night saying, hey, is that uh, Roger Woodall? I was like, yeah. So I've been watching your brand, Viper 10, for, for three years. I'd like to buy you. I thought it was my best mate. I was like, Chris, is that you? And he went, no, 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 my name. I said, look, you've really thrown me here. Can you send me an email with your, with your footer and your website so I can check you out who you are? So we'd done the deal. Um, we shook on it. And eight months later, after all the lawyers and I didn't want to sell the brand. So he, he made a deal that we couldn't refuse. And he now owns the brand. Wow. Brilliant. Yeah. But I guess, you know, the advice then that stands out, stands out from, from all of that amazing like story that you've just told then is, is, first of all, always be thinking about how can I do it differently? How can I do it better? How can I disrupt the model? Um, you know, whether it's distribution or... Yeah to market or the the product itself and um, but always thinking out of the box um. absolutely creating a win-win situation again we go back to the same thing and win, you know win. there's no point of reinventing the wheel Jeanette there's no point of reinventing the wheel just find weaknesses in other businesses yeah and then go and do it yourself make it better better customer service better brand better ambassadors happy brand and just be cool with everyone. And, and it, seemed, it seemed to have worked. So, yeah, that was an absolute blessing to be offered that. And I've never sold a company before. Very new to me. And I've thoroughly enjoyed that journey too as well. Was it hard letting go of your baby? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't at all. I love your honesty. Some people go, oh, yeah, it was really hard to sell my business. No, have it. Thank you. <laughs> See you later. There was actually part of the deal, right? Uh, I don't know if I mentioned on here, but sorry, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Go still bound to contract. Yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it was um, part of the deal was obviously I did it in a way that I can disassociate myself from it. So the company could be bought and uh, they can have the brand without me having to do a two year earn out and all the yep. bull lake that goes with it. And I've seen many businesses, uh, business owners doing an earn out, then they end up falling out, et cetera, et cetera, because it was their baby. And I remember the deal going through really happy with the price, really happy with everything. And, I think about a month before the deal was going through, he said, right, I want to pay you 10% because I said, I want 100% up front. He mm. come back and said, look, I want to pay you 10% up front and 90% over three years. I want you in the business for three years. I was like, no, mate, it's 100% up front or the deal's off. And he come back yeah. and went, okay, we'll we do the deal. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, once the deal was done and we're in the lawyers and accountants, it was signed and sealed. I literally, that was it for me, done. Yeah. And it felt yeah. lovely. It felt lovely. <laughs> Yes, there's well, no attachment. Yeah, well, I guess also then that frees you up to become a pioneer in the next thing, right? Yep, and that's what we're right. doing now. Yeah, so talk about what you're doing. Talk about what you're doing now, Dodge. 
Um, what we're doing now, we've been running the festival now for 13 years. Uh, Boris spoke on March the 23rd in 2020, and he said the pandemic, this thing called pandemic, Corona, COVID is going to peak on your Bournemouth Sevens Festival weekend, which was the Maybank holiday. So we've been working 10 whole months leading up to that to be told mm. there's going to be a, you know, I didn't know what the word pandemic was. I, or, or I had to go and Google, find out what pandemic was and and all these words he was talking about, COVID, Corona. And I thought, shit, that's landing on our weekend. What are we going to do? So mm. We postponed the festival. We sold 30,000 tickets and, and all the teams and everything else. And we moved it to the August bank holiday weekend in 2020 to give us a bit of a lifeline. Yeah. Um, and obviously it got, we had to cancel. Um, obviously all the big guns, all the big festivals were cancelling. So then, you know, in June we had to cancel. But when Boris spoke on March the 23rd, I thought I need to start a new business now. I need a pandemic proof business where yeah. I just thought my business would have been... Um, the only thing that could cause a huge problem is if a, if a plane landed on our festival because we're next to the airport or the weather was just so bad we had to cancel. So they were the only things in my mind to prevent the business, to prevent the festival happening. And then obviously mm. this came along and, and threw everything out of the water. So I literally was like, right, I've been private all my life till the last four months, Jeanette. Um, yeah. And I was like, everyone was going, Dodge, you've got to do a personal brand. Dodge, you've got to do this. You've got to go public. And I was like, no, nah, it's not for me. I'm, you know, I'm... Anyway, I've gone public. Um, I, I, for the first month when Boris spoke, I was like, I need to think of a business quickly. So for about a month, I was on Google, on YouTube, looking for businesses. What can I do? What can I do? And all of a sudden, this, this eureka moment came. And um, uh, we have, for the last eight months, we've, we've started to build a, and create an online events course um, I, I saw an, a gap in the market and saw an opportunity to create a win-win because I knew that the car industry was always evolving. I knew mm. that other industries were always evolving, whereas Apple or whatever. I also knew that the university market and industry was never evolving. Yeah. You know, I knew that these students going into universities, learning event management degree, I knew that there was a massive myth out there that you had to do a three-year degree to get into the events industry. Yeah. Well, that's not true, mm. but there's a massive mm. myth out there. So all these kids, all these students, 18-year-olds are going, spending £27,000 to do a degree, £9,000 a year, to be taught by lecturers who are reading from a book 20 years ago and they've got no experience. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, here we go. There's an opportunity to create a win-win. So, you know, and I was, I was a bit upset as well that university students were leaving with £50,000 of debt hanging over their neck when they mm. left, but they knew no different because they were just told go to university by the schools and yeah. the university is the way forward. So I saw that and went, hold on a minute. I'm well connected in this world. What if I brought 40 of the most amazing events industry experts down to our headquarters here and we created an online events course where they're getting proper, the best knowledge from people who are in events and festivals and weddings and every other conference and the best people today to teach them online and they can learn that in three months and they get a diploma and rubber stamps by Chartered Institute of Marketing, which we've got, allows us to go global and all the certificates. And they're going to learn that in three months, a fraction of the price, a fraction of the time. I've created a win win. So so that's been worked on now for the last eight months. We're going to be launching that in April, May this year to the nation. Um, and it's a really, really exciting space. 
Yeah. And again, you know, merging your passion with your profession, it's something that you can add value. You love it. And and the and the other thing, I think, I mean, I, I think it's wonderful what you what you're doing and um exciting and definitely a win-win. But you know, when you were talking at what just as you're talking through all of your journey, you were talking about your dad when you started and, you, and that that sort of walk back from school where your dad would kind of gather kids and <laughs> <laughs> the Pied Piper. Yeah. Actually, you know, you've done something quite similar through your career. You know, if you think about all of the, you know, the really well-known sports personalities that have brought on, you know, you've brought on board with you that have got involved and you're, you're a bit like the Pied Piper, <laughs> you know, sort of attracting these people to <laughs> Seriously, I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. I've never thought of it like that, but thank you for that. It's really nice to hear. (laughs) My dad's my hero, by the way. So, yeah, that's lovely. I'll tell him that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, no, it's just sometimes when when people who are not so close are hearing stuff, you you notice these things. And uh, I think that's a brilliant thing to have had. So when you look back, um, Dodge, what would you say has been your bravest moment in, in all of that illustrious kind of business life, career, everything that you've done so far? What's been the bravest thing you've done? The bravest thing I've ever done. Good question, Jeanette. The bravest thing I've ever done was to put on Bournemouth Sevens Festival 2008. We launched that in a recession because I saw a gap in the market. You know, mm. most people curled up in a ball. I saw it as an opportunity. I saw the land of opportunity. I saw light at the end of the tunnel. It wasn't a train coming towards me. It was light. I was thinking, oh, my God, there's opportunity here. These big companies, events companies and sports companies and festivals are going to start to level up. So if I can create a festival there. But what I didn't know, I went in blindfolded and I was really naive. Um, but naivety in business is the best asset you could ever have. So I went in and um, I thought the festival was going to cost me a hundred grand. Remember the transition from going nightclubs, throwing parties, we were taking the door money. I had no overheads. I had no security to pay. I had no bar staff to think about or the toilets or, or, or stocking up and bringing. in. I was just know that if I put 2000 people in at four quid a head or three quid, I don't know what I was leaving with, yeah. you know? So I was like, right, Bournemouth seven sport music festival. I thought I was going to be in for a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. And January, I was, uh, January, uh, six months prior to the festival, we'd run out of money because it was like, I thought it was going to be a hundred grand in 2008. What I didn't realize is that showers, toilets, uh, fencing, Wi-Fi, DJs, bands, security, police, council, licensing, they all wanted money up front. I was thinking yeah. I'm going to pay everyone after the festival because I had no track record. They wanted money up front. And, um, that was the bit where it was like, I just had myself. Uh, my wife was working at JP Morgan on a really nice salary and she hated it there because of she wasn't, that wasn't for her, but she was stuck in the salary thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was I, I was six months prior to the festival. I said, you've got to leave your job. Would you come and help me with this festival? Because there's too much for me going on here. You know, I had mm. no staff. So she left her job and, you know, we'd run out of money. And the only option, there was no banks to go to, to knock on the door and say, can you give us a loan? The only option we had was to remortgage our house. So anyone listening, you know, I mentor other entrepreneurs and stuff. And I always say, take calculated risk. That was really not a calculated risk, you know, remortgaging your house to put on a festival. And um, you got to remember back then, people wouldn't put a card into a computer and put, type in their details to buy 20 tickets. Yeah. So I was waiting on the day for people to turn up. That's how risky it was. So going back to your question, yeah, that was really scary moments. And um, 
But you know what? It may be work even harder when, you're, when your house is on the line. You can lose your house if no one turned up. That makes you graft more than 18 hours a day because I was just on it, promoting, getting everyone on board, marketing. I was selling my dream, Jeanette. I was selling my yeah. dream to sponsors. I was selling my dream to all these rugby teams around the UK. And I was selling my dream to everyone I met. Um, and people really bought into me and, and, and backed me, um, which was lovely because I was not, you know, I'd never done a festival before. So it was, um, yeah, that was my, what was the question? Like the biggest, riskiest moment? Bravest, or? the bravest. Bravest, yeah, that was, that was the bravest moment. Stupid, at the same time, crazy. People out there don't do it. I wouldn't advise you to do it, but I'm glad I did it because I wouldn't be sitting where I am today and everything you know, the way it yeah. is. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And great, great, great support from your wife there. I mean, oh, huh? oh, she's a rock. I've been with her 18 years, married 13 years. She's the financial director of the group. You know, I, I, I know how to bring money in and create businesses and create brands and build teams around me and, and make feel, people feel special and, and, and create entrepreneurs within my business and, and give everyone the freedom to be creative. She looks after the pounds and the pennies and the, and what have you. And, and she, she, she were a great team, you know. And I guess with her background as well, maybe she brings that corporate, aspect, yeah. you know, the yeah. discipline, the governance, all of that yeah. stuff that you need to scale a business, yeah. don't you? Need it. Hundred percent, hundred percent, because that's not my world. Yeah, yeah. So it's a nice combo. You make a great a great team together. You make, yeah. reminded me of something Tony Robbins uh, talks about a lot, and he says if you want to take the island, burn the boats. Yeah. And that's what you did, wasn't it? You know, you burn. Yeah boats really when you put everything on the line but my god look at what you've created since i mean incredible yeah. really. thank you thank you very much it's nice to hear yeah so i've got a couple of final questions dodge if i may yeah what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given best piece five i don't think i've ever been given this advice but it's something that i adopted from a young age be curious and ask lots of questions a good leader asks good questions. A great leader asks great questions. Yeah, brilliant. Maybe that's the artful dodger in you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. But you know, I, I, I'm known. I'm known to. I've been known all my life to ask questions. I love questions. I love. I'm inquisitive and curious. And you know, it's interesting. Now I've got my own podcast, and people, my mates and yes. family laugh, going, "God, this is made for you. You love asking questions, and you're asking quality people loads of, you know." good questions and having a laugh and stuff. So yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's what my answer would be. Brilliant. And and actually talking about the podcast, because of course you're co-hosting with Harry, Harry Redknapp, aren't you? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Again, this COVID for me has brought so many wonderful things, things that I would never be, things that I would never have done, Jeanette, in my life. Mm. I would have just carried on the festival. You work the year, you have the festival, uh, the festival does well, you have six months off. And then, you know, your team, everyone starts planning again for the for the next festival. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been talking to you today. I wouldn't have created a, <laughs> an online events course. I wouldn't have been gone public and had an Instagram and a YouTube channel. And and I wouldn't have created the Eventful Entrepreneur podcast where I'm interviewing really cool entrepreneurs in the events world and festival world and and a lot of A-listers and. And then I wouldn't have got the Harry Redknapp show on the back of me doing the Eventful Entrepreneur podcast. So it's been it's been shit it's been crap times and i lost the festival and we lost a lot of money mm. but so much has come my way because i've raised the energy levels up and uh, the vibration and lots of cool things have happened in the last 12 months 
Yeah, 100% believe in that. You're absolutely right. And I think also you've added all those extra skills, haven't you? And knowledge to, to your, you know, more tools in your toolkit than yeah. have not happened, you know, and even though it has been tough, I think you're right. Those people that have kind of stood up, put themselves in the way of opportunity, given it a go, you know, I'm the same, you know, creating my mentoring business, a podcast I would never have done, you know, and I'm so grateful for have had the chance. Actually. Yeah. Good for you, Jeanette. That's lovely to hear. I love being around positive people like yourself. And, um, you know, I even look back and think, you know, I got a phone call after doing eight episodes of my Eventful Entrepreneur podcast because I, I basically told my story and people seemed to really like it and write, were writing amazing reviews on uh, iTunes. I was like, oh, my God, I could be onto something here. People are liking this rawness and uh, and just being authentic. And, you know, I, got, I then got a phone call one uh, Monday night saying, hey, is that Dodge? I was like, yeah. He said, my name's da 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 da. I'm the producer of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. This was like six weeks ago. He said, can I come down and see you? I was like, yeah, of course you can. I was thinking, what's he wanted to see me for? And he come in and said, look, I've listened to your podcast. All, all the staff have passed it around the office. Um, we really like it. Would you like to be the co-host of a new show called The Harry Redknapp Show? I was like, of course, <laughs> of course I would. Yeah, he's my hero. He's Everyone loves Harry. You know, of course I would. So... We've done the deal, signed the contract, and and yeah, I'm co-host of Harry. Me and Harry are having a right laugh, like two London, cheeky Londoners interviewed last week. We had Piers Morgan and Rod Stewart and Frank Lampard and Eddie Hearn, and the list just goes on and on. And, and we've had such fun and belly laughs because there's not a better person to be around every day than Harry Redknapp because he is just an absolute gem of a storyteller, and and we bounce off each other really well. Me. And we, we properly make each other laugh, you know, so it's it's been I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm, I'm new to podcasts. I've only been doing po- podcasts for for four months and all these wonderful things have happened. Yeah, it's crazy. world, <laughs> crazy. I, and listen, I would never have had the chance to chat with you, you know, if it wasn't yeah. the podcast. So I'm really grateful as well. Yeah. Do you know what? But you said you were very private and you hadn't put yourself out there. But look at all this stuff that's like happened since you've been, you know, more out there in the public eye as well. Yeah. It's been yeah. crazy. Uh, anyone that's shy and nervous about putting themselves out there, just give it a go because, you, like you say, you raise your vibrations and all of a sudden things start happening. 100%. You've got one life. Yeah. And if you don't make the best of it, you, one thing you don't want to do is sitting on your deathbed with regret. Yeah. You don't want regret. That must be the worst thing to ever have as you're getting older and older and having regret. I wish I'd done that. I wish I gave that a go. I wish I created a business or I wish I went on that holiday. I wish I... Just just do it. Just yeah. do it. And I know it's quite a blase thing to say, but please, anyone listening, if you've got an idea, just get up and do it. Yeah. Don't fanny around. Just crack on. 100%. Give it a go because, you know, so many people, you don't want all those dreams and potential to die with you. You know, this this show is all about grabbing your potential, maxing it out in whatever field you're in. And, uh, yeah, what's the worst that can happen, right? Just, just Exactly. Just crack on. What could the worst can happen? But you know what? Why think about what the worst can happen? Think of all the amazing things that could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So many amazing things can happen. So many amazing thing people can pop up out the blue. You put something on LinkedIn. You might put something on Instagram. You might have a conversation with someone. You're raising your vibration and you're calling things in without even realising. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, some of those daily habits around visualization and thinking about the opportunities, do you, you just do that naturally then, Dodge, do you? Or do you have like a morning routine that you stick to or something? No, I don't listen to all that old tosh. 
Jesus Christ. All the old tosh, I'll get up in the morning, I'll, I'll go in a nice bath and I'll, I'll write 10, 10 things down that I'm going to achieve today. Leave it out, please, please. I'm sure it helps some people. I'm sure it helps some people, but just keep it simple. Just have set a goal on what you would like to achieve. What would you like to achieve? How do I get there? Get the ball rolling by writing it down. Write um, what your little goal is. Just write it down. Then you've got, then you're, then you're committed. Yeah. You're accountable. That one little thing, you're accountable. And if I'm talking business, go and get a designer to knock you up a logo. Go and get yeah. a designer to knock up some colours and feel. You're then committed. Then you've got something to talk about to your mates rather than just fluff talk. Yeah. You know, how many people do you know in business are going, oh, I had that idea 10 years ago, but I can't believe someone's gone and done it. There's a, <laughs> there's a reason why someone's gone and done it because they got off their backside and gone and done it. And if it doesn't work, you don't fail. You just tweak. You keep tweaking yeah. until it does work. Yeah, you only fail if you stop, right? Yeah. Just keep get going. fail, get fail out, get negativity out of the mind and anything to do with failure out of the mind and think what wonderful things could bring into your world and new people come into your world, like yourself, Jeanette. You know, I've never spoken to you, but I now know that I'll end up staying in touch with you on WhatsApp and da, 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 Absolutely. Because you're a good woman and I, I, I like meeting, I love people. Yeah, You know, when absolutely. you meet good people, there's nothing better and there's nothing better than meeting new good people. Old yeah. friends are great. They'll always be there. They're wonderful. But meeting new people at our age, people are scared of it. I had um, I had uh, a friend of mine, James Haskell, um, on on the podcast, and he was saying, you know, "How do you go about when you meet people and networking?" And I said, "I'd never go to networking those, but if I like someone, I'll say, oh, yeah, give us your mobile number." Yeah, just be straight. <laughs> Don't have the fear of going. Oh no, should I take your email or should I, can I email you someday? Yeah, mate, give us your give us your mobile number. I'll send you a WhatsApp. Done. I run yeah. my whole business on WhatsApp, by the way. Yeah, no, I know. I don't, I, I don't do email. I don't like email. I have an email, but if an email comes through, I'll ping them back and say, here's my mobile number, drop us a WhatsApp, we'll have a phone call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just ask. Just ask. Ask, yes. <laughs> yes. Let's not complicate business and life here. Stop overthinking. You know, just ask it up and ask and go for it. Done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. There's so many great pieces of advice in here. Honestly, this is this is this is golden. This is Dodge. I tell you, people, <laughs> you could be charging hundreds of thousands for this advice. <laughs> so I've got I've got a couple of final questions, and then we'll wrap up. So you've given um a, well the, a really great piece of advice that you know you've sort of latched onto. Can you think of any bad advice that you either took and regretted it, or that you just ignored because it was so bad? Any bad advice? We can come back to it. Yeah. I, I, uh, bad advice. Be very wary of going into business with family or friends. It never ends up in a, in a happy place. And be careful mm. when you go into business with three people, because it'll always be two versus one at some point. What are you doing for your money? Why am I putting in more hours than you? Why are you taking holidays? Why are you leaving at that certain time? Because your missus wants you home at that time. Like, all these problems will come. If I'm talking business here. Yeah, yeah. You know, these yeah. things will will pop up. If you can if you can do it by yourself, I would do it by yourself and bring people on board who you pay or or, or can help you. Yeah, brilliant. Fabulous. And my last question is what does brave, bold, brilliant mean to you? Brave, bold, brilliant. Brave, just get up and do it. Don't worry about what people think. Who cares? Bold, just get up and do it. <laughs> and do what you, you think's right and go for it. And brilliant, that's what you'll become if you do that. 
I love it. I love it. And of course you are brave, bold, brilliant Dodge. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is, you know what, this is my, I haven't done any podcasts because I've just been concentrating on my own ones for four months. And this has been really refreshing. You know, I've thoroughly enjoyed the vibe that you give off and, and, and your podcast, because I'm hearing really good stuff about it. Oh, so um, hats off to you. Thank you so much. No, it's an absolute pleasure. It really is. And um, yeah, I feel very, very privileged to have had the chance to chat with you. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, no worries at all. And and if anyone wants to get hold of me, get me on LinkedIn or get me on Instagram. Um, and I reply to everyone because I love people. And who knows what could happen? A question might come in. If I can help, I'm there. I love it. And I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> 100%. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dodge. You're more than welcome. Take care.